We're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell. A new calendar year has arrived with a new NFL first. Week 18, the first ever 17-game, 18-week regular season concludes this weekend with 11 playoff spots clinched, three still up for grabs, and still plenty of seating to be sorted out in each conference. Even though most, if not all, of the current playoff picture is expected to hold to form, there's still plenty of intrigue for Week 18. And my partner, Hal Bent, I think the NFL has to be pretty pleased, don't they? Oh, I think, you know, if you're looking at keeping as many fan bases involved, the 2021 season has been the year of parity in the NFL. And so many teams clumped together in both divisions, so many races for the playoffs. They've got to be ecstatic at NFL headquarters in New York City. I think they do as well. You have like at least three games of enormous playoff consequence this week, and we'll get to them in just a little bit. But first, let's talk about our main takeaways from week 17. You go first here, Hal. Well, I mean, I I think, you know, Sunday, it was all of a sudden, all Antonio Brown all the time on my Twitter feed. I don't know about yours, but uh, holy moly, uh, to see something like that happen, please let this man get the help he needs. But this brings up a huge factor in the playoff race as well, because is Tampa Bay a Super Bowl contender with Godwin out? And now no Antonio Brown, that really shakes things up in the NFC. So that was a, a huge takeaway I had uh, to start that. And, you know, cue the Bee Gees right now, the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, 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 stay <laughs> alive. Stay alive. I can't tell you how many times I wrote this team off this year. And, and yet here they are with a huge game this week and a chance to be a playoff team. I, I just flabbergasted. Indeed. Credit to the Raiders where it's due. And we wrote another team off last week, the Arizona Cardinals. And what do they do? They go into Dallas and get a huge win. They are still very much alive in the race to win the NFC West and a right to host a home playoff game on wildcard weekend. So Arizona Cardinals, kudos to Cliff Kingsbury, Vance Joseph, that entire coaching staff for keeping that team together through some major, major, major downs these past couple of weeks to get a huge win. And you host the Seahawks at home this Sunday and the Rams don't have a gimme against those 49ers this week. And so Cardinals, you are still alive for NFC West glory, so to speak, and uh, credit where credit is due there as well. And I just cannot not talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. Forgive the double negative there, but the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals, you finally justify our belief in you with the biggest statement win of the season. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs jumped out to a multiple score lead, but Joe Burrow became a man before our eyes in case he wasn't already. He was already a man in my eyes, but he just 
showed he is a man on another level. He just has poise that you just can't match. He didn't let the Bengals fold. He and Jamar Chase single-handedly set a historic record, 266 yards receiving, the most ever for a rookie receiver in a single game for Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, only the second the first quarterback ever in NFL history to post two straight games of 400 or more yards passing, four tutties and no interceptions. This Bengals team is going to be legit for a long time. No matter how far they go in the playoffs this year, their win over the Chiefs shows that they are here to stay long term. Oh, I, I you know, and, and we talked about it last week, David. I wish I had had the guts to pick Cincinnati. I thought they had a chance and I was hoping that they had a chance, but I did not expect it. And to see it happen, just wonderful. And, and Chase, I mean, talk about uh, offensive rookie of the year uh, race being over. Yeah, that's it. That you need that one huge game to sway the voters at the end of the season. Jamar Chase, what a great job! And for a player who we started the beginning of this season wondering, is he the next bust? He couldn't catch a pass in the preseason and training camp with all those drops and to turn around and just shatter uh, these rookie receiving records. What a fantastic performance by Jamar Chase. What a bounce back by Joe Burrow. Uh, what a great thing for the city of Cincinnati. Yeah, that they prefer to be called Wincinnati right now, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> Uh, indeed. And speaking of offensive rookie of the year, it's time to hand out our end of the season awards. And we start with the MVP. And this is a pretty tight race here. Jonathan Taylor has a good case, I believe. Tom Brady has a very, very, very good case. But I just have got to go with Aaron Rodgers, given all the preseason drama surrounding him and the Packers and all the injuries to key players the Packers have had all season long. Aaron Rodgers followed up his 2020 MVP season with arguably an even better 2021 season he, behind a, a middling offensive line at best, given all those injuries. He just makes it look too easy. Even behind them. He is just one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. He is inching closer and closer into that Mount Rushmore discussion. And I think he's already there personally. I am ready to give my MVP award to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, sorry, Habarkish. I do not care about his vaccine stance and his temperament. He is one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. And without him, the Packers go absolutely nowhere this year. Aaron Rodgers, my MVP for the 2021 season back to back. Yeah, David. I mean, I, I tried to think of, you know, someone else more deserving, but, you know, especially when you look at how his season started week one in new Orleans, green Bay's blown out in that game. Aaron Rodgers was terrible. Uh, didn't even throw for 150 yards. Didn't throw a touchdown, had a couple of picks. It was, you know, everybody wondering is the end coming quick now and instead to turn around and, you know, like you said, uh, what do you do when the MVP last year, you know, builds upon that this year and has an even uh, better season? I I don't know what to do with that. And and like you said, carrying that team uh, most valuable. That's the number one key um, for Aaron Rodgers. I have to give him the MVP as well. He has a rested that away from anyone else who might have had a claim to it uh, here down the stretch. 
And moving along to Offensive Player of the Year. For Offensive Player of the Year, I think I have to go with Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, uh, when you look back to his rookie year, the first half of his rookie season, he looked absolutely lost. But he started to gradually pick it up and improve throughout the second half of last season. And what does he do this year? He posts an historic season and proves to be the running back that we all thought Saquon Barkley was going to be when he was drafted number two overall in 2018. Jonathan Taylor, he is a do-it-all running back. He could break the big runs. He could get you the tough yards. He could catch the ball out of the backfield and give you all those explosive plays, and he could pass protect extremely well. Jonathan Taylor, without Jonathan Taylor, that Colts offense goes nowhere. No offense to their amazing offensive line, but you need a big weapon on your offense to make it go. Carson Wentz is that big weapon. I like Michael Pittman, but uh, he's uh, not necessarily a, a top uh, 10 wide receiver in this league. And the rest of their receiving core is very, very middling. And uh, T.Y. Hilton's on the last legs of his career. Without Jonathan Taylor, that Colts offense is absolutely nothing. I stand by it. Jonathan Taylor, my 2021 Offensive Player of the Year. Oh, I like it, David. I'm going to go a little bit different on this one, though. Uh, I'm going to veer over to Cooper Cup, who's just had a fantastic season receiving for the Rams. I mean, over 1,800 yards right now. And, you know, especially carrying the load. Robert Woods injured at midseason, so they haven't had him. You know, Van Jefferson forced to take a larger role, uh, bringing in Odell Beckham Jr. You know, the whole Deshaun Jackson being replete, uh, released as well with, with that conflict beginning of the year. So all that depth that they lost, and he just, despite all that attention on him as that number one primary target, oh, it, yeah, no Cam Akers either uh, this season for the Rams. So that explosive running game, missing that as well. More and more put on the shoulders of Cooper Cup, uh, his first year with Matthew Stafford, and he's just been fantastic. Um, one of the greatest seasons by a receiver, especially in those circumstances. So for Offensive Player of the Year, I'm going to go with Cooper Cup. Definitely, Cal. There is equally as good of a case for Cooper Cup as there is for Jonathan Taylor for Offensive Player of the Year. It could very well be a close vote uh, in the real world. And now moving on to Defensive Player of the Year, I was stuck between like three or four names until this guy absolutely clinched it with his performance on Monday night this past week. T.J. Watt came one sack shy of the all-time single-season sack record in just 14 games, for crying out loud. That alone makes me give T.J. Watt my 2021 NFL Defensive Player of the Year award. Without him, that Steelers defense is absolutely atrocious, as we saw the game they played without him against the Chargers. Uh, they just look lost without him. T.J. Watt is the difference maker for that Steelers defense, if not the MVP of that Steelers team this year, because sadly, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, he knows he's done, and uh, it's been evident throughout this year that he was on his last leg. So T.J. Watt uh, almost single-handedly kept that Steelers team um, winning games throughout the year and gave Mike Tomlin his record setting 15 straight, a non-losing season. So TJ Watt, MVP of the Steelers, 2021 defensive player of the year. Yeah. I, you know, I, I tried, I could, I couldn't after Monday night, like you said, that just clinched it for him uh, coming off such a huge season uh, last year. He's just built every year. He's been on the league 
built up and up improvement improvement and it, you know again this year no bud dupree no problem uh, melvin ingram traded away across from didn't matter you know that he's got that target on him as the one big pass rusher there on the edge for pittsburgh I mean, he's had three games with three or more sacks this season. He's only had four games where he hasn't had a sack this year. So, I mean, makes an impact, game in, game out, strong against the run, incredible pass rush. It's got to be T.J. Watt. And now on to offensive rookie of the year. And as you alluded to earlier in the program, Jamar Chase clinched this award with his performance against the Chiefs on Sunday. No disrespect to Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones is going to be a very, very, very good quarterback in the NFL long term. He's going to be a Derek Carr, um, Matt Ryan type of quarterback. And uh, that is a compliment. We're going to talk about Derek Carr in just a little bit. And if you put that kind of talent with a Bill Belichick coach team, that is a team that could go very, very far year after year for a very, very long time. But Jamar Chase, he's already a superstar in his position, for crying out loud. Matt Jones still has a ways to go to become a superstar at the quarterback position. Jamar Chase, Chris Carter himself on Good Morning Football this morning said that Jamar Chase is the best rookie wide receiver he's ever seen. And he played with Randy Moss during Randy Moss's historic <laughs> rookie season. Oh, my goodness. If you, Chris Carter says that. It's worth paying attention to and really, 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 really taking into consideration. Jamar Chase, easily my offensive rookie of the year. He was at the beginning. He is at the end. Yeah, I mean, pick the stat, whatever you want. He's there. And the and like you said, the scary part with Jamar Chase, too, is he's building up as the season goes along. I mean, there's untapped potential there. I mean, he could be even better next year and just an amazing season for him uh for you know helping carry that amazing season for cincinnati i i'm running out of adjectives for him but definitely he's got to be the offensive rookie of the year yes and like we've been saying throughout the year that connection between him and joe burrow picked up right where it left off at lsu and they i believe are easily destined to become one of the greatest quarterback wide receiver combos in the history of the NFL on par with Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison on par with Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams, even maybe as far as Montana rice and Steve young, Jerry rice, it has the potential to be that special. And that is not hyperbole. And for defensive rookie of the year, this guy should be in consideration for defensive player of the year until uh, TJ Watt sealed that award on Monday night. But uh, since we didn't give him defensive player of the year, we have to give him defensive rookie of the year, Micah Parsons, who in NFL history has come into the league with just as much elite talent at off-ball linebacker and edge rusher. I can't think of any. Micah no. Parsons, he's my defensive rookie of the year. We've been talking about him consistently week after week because he has consistently been taking over games. You know, he doesn't have multiple sacks. Well, then he's got double-digit tackles in that game, playing on the edge, not his natural position, and excelling there. Um, you know, just making that impact game after game after game. It's He's just been, you know, a boost to that entire Cowboys defense, you know, making such an impact there on that team between him and, and Trayvon Diggs. Oh, 
fantastic combination of two young superstars right there under the age of 25 on your defense on rookie deals. Dallas has it made in the shade right there. So uh, slam dunk, Micah Parsons, easily defensive rookie of the year. And now moving on to comeback player of the year. This is a toughie. There are three guys equally deserving, but like his teammate this past week, this guy clinched this award for me. He came in last year as a rookie amidst a pandemic, uh, had no offensive line, had a promising wide receiver core, but no true alpha dog in, in that wide receiver room. Yet he played very respectable football, but got absolutely beat up behind that offensive line Had suffered a multi-ligament knee injury this year. He's come back with a vengeance and he's already become a top 10, if not top six or seven quarterback in the NFL. My comeback player of the year in 2021 goes to the guy who helped me win my second ever fantasy football championship last Sunday, Joe Burrow. Ah, you know, like you said, there's so many people deserving of this vote. Burrow, who's just been, I mean, almost a thousand yards passing the last two weeks, definitely deserving. Dak Prescott uh, leading Dallas back into the playoffs. But I'm going to go out on the edge here on this one and look at one of those famous families of pass rushers. And I've got to say, San Francisco knocking on the door in the playoffs. Big part of that, Nick Bosa. Um, To, you know, come back from that devastating injury last year that derailed San Francisco after such a great rookie season in 2019 and uh, Nick Bosa has just been picking up where he left off 15 sacks so far already and you know again another one of those uh, like TJ Watt monster impact players you know not just sacks but uh, tackles in the backfield quarterback pressures and hits deflected passes I mean you name it He's taking care of business, forcing fumbles. It, it's right across the line. So I got to go on the on the defensive side here and say uh, my comeback player of the year is going to be Nick Bosa. And last but not least, coach of the year. And speaking of those Tennessee Titans, they are on the cusp, as you said, of earning the number one playoff seat of the AFC and thus home field advantage and a first round bye. They don't do it without a head coach like Mike Vrabel, especially considering when you lose the best player on your team for the rest of the regular season. They lost Derrick Henry for the rest of the regular season due to a uh, foot fracture in late October. I was very worried because Ryan Tannehill definitely did not look the same as he did under Arthur Smith. And uh, he still doesn't look the same uh, with Todd Downing now calling the plays with Julio Jones underachieving. Will they muster enough offense to win these games? Does the defense have to do too much heavy lifting? Mike Vrabel just kept that team together and rolled the storm out. And he is on the verge of getting the Titans to a place none of us thought they would be. The number one seed in the AFC, Mike Vrabel, you are my coach of the year. Yeah, I I, I agree 100%. I, you know, tried to see if there was some way And, you know, Matt LaFleur has just consistently done it again and again and again in his three years in Green Bay, former Mike Vrabel offensive coordinator, uh, Matt LaFleur, I should say. But um, as deserving as he is, you know, the coach of the year, 
there's so much competition for that. So many great players. And you just can't overlook that situation in Tennessee getting, you know, AJ Brown was injured for a while. Um, you know, no Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill underachieving uh, injuries on that offensive line, wrecking the team. Uh, so many, oh, you know, everything that they've overcome this year, it's been that rock steady leadership of Mike Rabel. And you talk about, you know, teams taking on their coaches' personality. That is the Tennessee Titans. They have taken on Mike Rabel's personality, and that's why they're in position to be the number one seed uh, in the AFC. So definitely has to be Mike Rabel. So on five of the eight awards, we were simpatico. That deserves quite a big simpatico alert. Beep, 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 beep. Yep. So moving along to our favorite game now, truth or exaggeration. You know how this game works. I make a statement and how your job is to determine whether I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating and explain why. Continuing with those Tennessee Titans, assuming they take care of business against the Texans this week, plus considering the likely return of Derrick Henry in the playoffs, the Titans should be considered the favorites in the AFC. I'm still going to say it's an exaggeration because I still have to go with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Been to that mountain, climbed it. Um, they're still with that defense the way it's been playing. Yes, you know, a little hiccup last week, but uh, that's still a great defense there in Kansas City. I can see Kansas City going on the road, winning in Tennessee. I can see Kansas City taking out almost anybody in the AFC pretty handily i still think um even without the number one seed the chiefs are the team to beat in the afc you could very well be right that the chiefs are still the team to beat in the afc even though they probably won't get the number one seed and moving right along to arguably the most disappointing team in 2021 the cleveland browns who were just eliminated from playoff contention the browns should do all they can to trade baker mayfield to a quarterback desperate team in the offseason and accumulate assets by trading down in the draft to position themselves to take a top quarterback prospect in the 2023 draft. Truth or exaggeration? Oh, I'm going to say that's exaggeration. I still believe in Baker Mayfield. I think the injuries really got to him this year. He's not a transcendental quarterback, but in the right situation with the right piece is around him i think you know he can consistently put up those seasons similar to he did uh last year you know 3500 4000 yards passing complete around 60 to 65 percent of the passes um you know 25 to 30 touchdowns keep the interceptions down and be the quarterback for that team to lead them into the playoffs and win some games and make them a legitimate contender. I don't think they need to blow up the shop right now. Um, I'm glad he's not playing and getting the shoulder surgery that he desperately needs. They should have pulled the plug weeks ago rather than, um, you know, Baker Mayfield playing when he clearly was in no position to be playing football games. He was too injured. They should have went to Case Keenum. Uh, and I still think Baker Mayfield can be that franchise quarterback for the Browns. Next season will be telling if they do indeed keep Baker Mayfield for his fifth year. 
And moving right along to the Denver Broncos, who were already eliminated from the playoffs as well. But a bright spot in their season has been one of their rookies, Patrick Sertan II. This past Sunday against the Chargers, take a look at these numbers. When he was lined up against Keenan Allen, arguably the best route runner in the game, and Mike Williams, who's become a star as well, he was targeted only four times, allowed only two receptions for 21 yards, he registered two pass breakups, and allowed zero touchdowns. So truth or exaggeration, Patrick Sertan II is already a top 10 cornerback in the NFL. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that's the truth. I mean, he came out ready to play uh, coming into that NFL draft. Obviously, great bloodlines there, but went to Alabama, did the work, um, you know, put this um, work in this year in Denver as well. You can see why he was a top 10 pick. He is absolutely fantastic uh, for the Broncos. It's a it's a home run hitter. If you you know, weren't going to take a quarterback like they were determined not to do. Uh, you couldn't have gotten a better. Um, well, maybe you could have gotten a better player, but, you know, second best player <laughs> on the defensive side, maybe in the draft. But but yeah, I mean, a truth. He's he's like Micah Parsons. He's already there, you know, established himself as one of the best players in the league at his position. So without a doubt, top 10 you might even be able to talk me into the top five or six at this point. Ooh, we might be able to do that next season. Not so sure about right now. <laughs> and that could be one of several reasons why Vic Fangio has, dare I say, a 50% chance of actually keeping his job after a season. It's truly 50, 50, whether he keeps his job or not. And uh, it's a very tough decision from what's been reported inside uh, Broncos headquarters. So uh, something to keep an eye on and moving along to a situation you raised in our week 17 takeaway segment, the season ending injury to Chris Godwin and the looming departure of Antonio Brown will be too much for the Bucks offense to overcome in the playoffs. Truth or exaggeration. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that is the truth. You know, it's, I hate to say it, but I don't think that's enough to overcome uh, th that they just have enough to overcome that they just don't have the horses there it's putting a lot on mike evans and as good as mike evans is you know he's not that number one take over the game and dominate kind of wide receiver he has fits and starts he can do it for a game and then disappears for a couple of weeks and you can't have that going on in the playoffs there um, I mean throughout his career I can tell you having had him in fantasy so many years Mike Evans you know that <laughs> three touchdown game over 100 yard receiving and then turn around with two catches the next week uh, killing you it, that's just the player that he is. He's, he's hot and cold and behind him, you know, you've got Rob Gronkowski and a lot of unproven wide receivers, uh, rookie Jalen Darden reclamation project, Rashad Perryman, Cyril Grayson, who had that great touchdown catch, but you know, uh, Tyler Johnson shows flashes, but again, is he going to step up in the playoffs? Uh, Scotty Miller, who's been injured this year, has been basically invisible. So 
it, it's a tough situation and you've got to, this team is gonna have to score points against these elite teams in the nfc in the playoffs so yeah maybe they win a game in the wild card round but beyond that i would find it hard to pick for tampa so i think that kind of takes them out of the super bowl contention if Tom Brady was listening to you right now, he would make it bulletin board material in that box <laughs> locker room. I guarantee you that. I'm not saying he does uh, do that. I actually agree with you that it will eventually be too much for Tampa to overcome in the playoffs. But if Tom Brady is able to win another Super Bowl with this kind of supporting cast oh. at the skill positions, it would only add to his legend, if not add an even bigger dimension to his legacy as the GOAT, dare I say. And that's all there is to it. And speaking of the Super Bowl, the Green Bay Packers should be the favorites to win Super Bowl 56. Truth or exaggeration? Easy truth. Balanced on both sides of the ball. You have Aaron Rodgers. They've been start to finish the most consistent team in the NFL. Um, Slam dunk right now. Yes, truth, truth, truth. They're the favorites going into the postseason. Unless Matthew Stafford dramatically improves his game these next two weeks, the Rams will be one and done in the playoffs. Truth or exaggeration? Oh, 100% truth, David. Uh, You know, one of my backup takeaways was, you know, add Matthew Stafford to the list of quarterbacks that, you know, can this quarterback be trusted in the playoffs? I don't trust Matthew Stafford. I don't trust Carson Wentz. I don't trust Jalen Hurts. I don't trust Mac Jones to bring a Super Bowl. And I'm not sure if San Francisco gets in any combination of Jimmy G or Trey Lance is trustworthy right now either. So I'm adding Matthew Stafford to that list uh, saying it's a truth. He's a quarterback that has a lot to prove in the playoffs and has to earn my trust. Yesterday, it was reported by Bruce Feldman of The Athletic that Jim Harbaugh is seriously considering leaving the University of Michigan for a second shot at being an NFL head coach. And the most likely landing spot, if he does so, the Las Vegas Raiders, who he was quarterback's coach of when they went to the Super Bowl against John Gruden's Bucks in 2002. So if he becomes head coach of the Raiders, Jim Harbaugh will win a Super Bowl in a second stint as an NFL head coach. Truth or exaggeration? Oh, that's a tough one there. Ah, it's a lot of work still to be done in Las Vegas. So I'm going to go with an exaggeration at this point. Um, He's got to figure out if he's keeping Derek Carr. Uh, You've got to refresh some of those young players uh, on the offense and on the defensive side that have underperformed in these past few years. So uh, there's a lot of work still to do in Vegas. And I would say he certainly improves the odds, but I would have to still say it's a bit of an exaggeration. I don't see Las Vegas as a Super Bowl contender in the next few years with or without Jim Harbaugh. And speaking of the Raiders, they're in our game of the week as they host the Los Angeles Chargers in a game where it's all likely going to come down to the winner goes to the playoffs and the loser comes home. Granted, there is a possible scenario where both could get in in a tight game, but that depends on one of the super bad teams winning over a team that needs to win again in the playoffs, which I do not see happening. So both teams are more likely than not going to be all out this game. 
Winner goes to the playoffs, loser goes home. And during the last time these teams met in week four, the Chargers pass rush absolutely rattled Derek Carr. Should the Raiders commit to running the ball with Josh Jacobs early and often in order to avoid a similar outcome this time? I think the offensive line has improved some uh, since the beginning of the season. That was a disjointed group. Remember, that was a big breakup um, during training camp and in the offseason. So it took some time for these guys to settle in. But definitely uh, that pass rush of the Chargers has got to be slowed down, whether it's running the ball, whether it's um, you know, building up that screen game, however they do that. And for the Raiders, they certainly have invested in that running back position. So, uh, it, you know, may as well get your money's worth out of that group. Um, feed the rock to Josh Jacobs, try to make some plays, but, you know, really it's going to come down to the quarterback. It's number four for Vegas. If they're going to make the playoffs or not, it's Derek Carr, Put the team on your back one more time, one more week, and see if you can get them into the playoffs. And I want to talk about Derek Carr for a second. I think Derek Carr is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I really, really do. Heck, give me Derek Carr over Matthew Stafford 24-7, 365, dare I say. Not only has Derek Carr finally become an elite deep ball passer, Derek Carr is a heady decision maker, too. He doesn't make... Anywhere near the amount of mistakes Matthew Stafford makes. Derek Carr is equally a risk taker and a caretaker. And that is exactly what you want in a quarterback at the NFL level, especially one that doesn't have freakish athletic tools. Derek Carr, he is an amazing quarterback. And if Justin Fields or Matt Jones just reached the level of a Derek Carr in terms of their career, the teams that pass on them blew it. They just did. That's how good I think Derek Carr is. And should it his performance in recent weeks with no Henry Ruggs and no Darren Waller uh, solidify that in the minds of NFL fans? I mean, it definitely should. And he's probably one of the most overlooked quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, you know, certainly uh, put up some great numbers early on playing on a lot of bad teams when they were out in Oakland prior to coming to Vegas. But really, these last three or four years, he's really taken a huge step forward. You see the increase in the accuracy, the completion percentage going up, the yards per attempt continuing to go, touchdowns increasing year after year, interception percentage dropping uh, you know, year after year as well. So you're seeing that ability to grow. And, you know, now at this stage of his career, being that leader on that young team uh, really comes through. So, so yeah, I, I'm with you on this one, David. I think, you know, especially uh, this year with that unsettled offensive line early in the year, um, he's taken a huge step forward and really, despite the injuries, continues to keep finding a way week after week, you know, going to Foster Moreau instead of Darren Wall or finding new targets in the passing game, getting the best out of uh, Hunter Renfro and uh, Zay Jones, uh, Brian Edwards. He's just been fantastic this year. He absolutely has. And whoever wins this game will most likely be facing the Kansas City Chiefs in the wild card round if everything goes as expected for the Chiefs and Titans in their respective games. But as the old saying goes, be careful what you wish for. Nonetheless, given the way the meetings went between these teams early in the season, 
I would assume Chiefs fans are easily pulling for the Raiders to win this game <laughs> as opposed to the Chargers. Should Chiefs fans really be pulling for the Raiders to win this game? Well, yeah. I mean, as good as Derek Carr is, I'm still looking over at the Chargers sideline and saying, yeah, I don't want any part of number 10 over there, okay? Uh, Justin Herbert, you leave him at home, please. We don't want him near us because that's somebody who can really take over a game and uh, scare a lot of teams in the postseason. I certainly wouldn't want to see Justin Herbert on the other side of the sidelines for me in a playoff game. Give me the Raiders all day if I'm a Chiefs fan. Yeah, I feel you. And uh, that is the sentiment I've uh, read from Chiefs fans on Twitter in recent days. And now let's talk about the key matches that will decide this absolutely do or die game between the Chargers and the Raiders. I look at the Raiders secondary against the Chargers wide receivers, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams going up against a secondary that's pretty underrated. You've got rookie corner Nate Hobbs. Yes, he got that DUI earlier in the week, but uh, he is expected to play, according to Rich Bisaccia. And uh, Casey Hayward, who was a bargain bid free agent signing by Mike Mayock, the former Charger, he's kind of found the fountain of youth this year. And you also have a very promising rookie safety in Trayvon Merrig, who uh, has potential as a ball hawk. So that Chargers passing game, I believe the Rams, uh, I, I mean, the Raiders secondary uh, against that Chargers passing game is uh, something to watch. Uh, if uh, uh, Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe uh, struggle to get to Justin Herbert, it's up to the secondary to clean up. Yeah, and I mean, really for the Raiders, that, that secondary uh, has really been very, very strong in the second half. I mean, they had two, two games really that um, – you know, that shootout on Thanksgiving with the Cowboys, certainly they weren't slowing uh, Dak down in that game. And when Kansas City was able to blow them out uh, in the first first game, Kansas City really lit them up through the passing game as well. So, you know, Dak Prescott and, you know, Patrick Mahomes, sure, the, those are tough assignments, but I think they should be able to hold their own in the passing game. And you know, for the Chargers, I think they've got to look to, you know, get the ball into the hands of Austin Eckler and make him the difference maker that he can be. He's got to be that spark plug for them, um, make a couple of big plays coming out of the backfield and make some uh, noise because I do think that Raiders secondary is underrated and has a good chance of slowing down those amazing weapons that they have in Los Angeles. Yeah. The Raiders linebackers and coverage are absolutely atrocious said that's where you got to use your Austin Ecklers and your um, Jared cooks and your Justin Jackson's dare I say, because as Justin yeah. Jackson uh, filling it for Austin Eckler when he had COVID showed that he could be a weapon out of the backfield too, catching the ball. Yeah, great point there. So, uh, you know, a hard runner and soft hands, that's a good combination against this Raiders uh, defense. So Justin Jackson, Austin Eckler, uh, key players there. And Jared Cook, as long as he doesn't have the drops, uh, can be a difference maker as well uh, in that passing game. Yes. And uh, 
Now let's focus on the uh, trenches for a second. I alluded to that Raiders pass rush. As important as their secondary is, their pass rush is even more important because if they can't get to Justin Herbert, Herbert's going to find the weak spots on the back end and really make them pay. And uh, blitzing Justin Herbert is suicide, dare I say. So uh, it's up to uh, Yannicka Gakwe and Max Crosby to really, really get pressure. But the question is, which one of those two rushers would you put against uh, Storm Norton at right tackle because uh, Rashawn Slater, that guy's a impenetrable force there, I say. Uh, yeah, I mean, he is. I mean, uh, we talk about, you know, offensive rookie of the year and we don't, we don't touch on this, these offensive linemen like we should. Um, but yeah, Rashawn Slater, I, you know, I don't know, rest your guys and, and flip them throughout the game and, and give them a couple of chances against Storm Norton and then see if somebody can you know, maybe get lucky and sneak past Slater. I don't know, but, um, but yeah, I mean, if you're, you're going after the chargers, the rule is, is that you go after that right side of the offensive line, Rashawn Slater, Matt Filer, uh, Corey Lindsay in the middle. Uh, they're pretty solid. It's when you start getting into Michael Schofield and storm Norton that you can start piling up the pressures there and making an impact in that game. So for the Raiders, it's target that right side of the offensive line and, you know, either edge rusher, I'd flip them, give them both some chances over there and, uh, you know, see if they can get some, add some pressure up the middle as well, whether it's Quentin Jefferson or Jonathan Hankins getting some pressure, pushing that pocket and try to make um, Justin Herbert uncomfortable because that's the only way you're going to slow him down. And let's uh, do a little flip-flop here. Let's talk about uh, the uh, Raiders offense against the Chargers defense. You mentioned Hunter Renfro. I don't think it's hyperbole to say that Hunter Renfro just might be the best pure slot receiver in the NFL right now. I really don't. He is just that Wes Welker, Julian Edelman type that just gets open on a dime and you could always trust him to make the big plays when they count the most. Uh, Yeah. Wes Welker, he might not have done that in the playoffs, but he did that plenty of times in the regular season is obviously Julian (laughs) Edelman was so clutch in the playoffs, but uh, just, just stating facts here. Uh, But a Hunter Renfro, he is that exact, type of player and I think Derek Carr is going to be looking his way early and often on Sunday night and I believe the Chargers will uh, use uh, Chris Harris Jr. who might not be the player he once was with Denver but still tackles very well as we saw on Sunday and uh, he I think will be assigned to uh, follow Hunter Renfro um, quite a bit. Yeah, I, I think you're right on that and th- that's something if you're the Raiders you know can you take advantage of Chris Harris Jr. as you know, smart as he is, as experienced as he is, is he going to be a half step too slow and Renfro be able to work his way open? I mean, look at Hunter Renfro, despite all the knocks against him coming into the league, he had that big game experience in Clemson. He was, the, I mean, what, he got, caught the winning touchdown back-to-back years in the, in the championship game. It doesn't get any bigger than Hunter Renfro as a big game player. So I'm really excited to see him in this game. Um, you know, he's had some excellent production, very, very consistent, and, you know, basically carrying that uh, group right now. And for, the, you know, for Los Angeles, like you said, Chris Harris Jr., Great tackler, but has lost a half a step. That can be a real, real interesting matchup uh, on Sunday night. And who do you think comes away with the victory Sunday night at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas? 
Oh, man, you know, this one is just so, so tough. Uh, two good pass rushing teams, two great passing teams, both with strong secondaries. <sighs> you know, it, it's going to come down to, you know, I think one of those running backs making a play, uh, a big play to swing the momentum in the game for the win. So who do I trust more? Is it Josh Jacobs or is it Austin Eckler? Uh, I got to lean towards Eckler here to make that big play uh, for the Chargers. So I might be rooting for Vegas, but I think I'm going to see the Chargers take it 27 to 25. Sound that simpatico alert, Hal. I think this game is going to be close. I like Derek Carr a lot, but at the end of the day, I like Justin Herbert more. And uh, I just uh, really think uh, that Justin Herbert is a guy that you could trust to make big plays even more so than Derek Carr. And uh, given some of the deficiencies the Raiders have uh, defensively, uh, Herbert should uh, really be able to uh, pick his spots and deliver like he did uh, earlier this season. And uh, that Raiders offensive line and pass protection is very suspect. And uh, if uh, Brandon Staley is smart enough, he'll move Joey Bosa inside a lot against their suspect uh, young guard, Alex Leatherwood. Uh, and I think uh, that uh, matchup could be a very decisive difference in this game. I like the Chargers as well. And now let's pick the rest of these Week 18 games, starting with the Saturday slate. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs still have a slight prayer at the number one seed. But even if they don't get that number one seed at the end of the day, they have plenty to play for and get that number two seed. Because that number two seed, well, it means they won't have a first round bye. It means that they will be playing at home at least twice in the playoffs. They need it. The Chiefs have everything to play for. And the Broncos, uh, they're they're out of it. And yes, they're not going to be as decimated as they were last week against COVID. But the Chiefs have their number. I like the Chiefs. Yeah, I you know, I think Denver, the defense will show up. They'll keep that offense down for a little while, but I see Kansas City's defense just overwhelming the Broncos and uh, Kansas City pulling away 26 to 13. Yeah, plus that Broncos defense, they could very well be uh, playing in a way to persuade George Pate to keep the Fangio for one more season. That's right. Yeah, I mean, they've got to show up, um, you know, three losses in a row now. Certainly, you can't blame the defense for that, but that offensive you know, inefficiencies, you go out with four straight losses and any coach is on the hot seat at that point. That is correct. And the second part of the Saturday slate, the Cowboys traveling to Philly to take out the Eagles. Eagles have already clinched a spot. They have a lot of guys on COVID. The Cowboys put Micah Parsons on the COVID list today and he will not play on Saturday. The Cowboys, uh, like I said, the Eagles don't have anything to play for on Saturday. The Cowboys have somewhat to play for, but uh, them getting the two seed is pie in the sky right now. This is a very, very, very hard game to pick. And I might change it when I uh, set up my picks on Friday. But if Dak Prescott actually plays in this game, I'm going to give a slight edge to the Cowboys because even though he's had his struggles, I still trust him to make more plays than Jalen Hurts to uh, win a close game. But if he doesn't play and they decide to go with Cooper Rush and give Dak a rest, uh, I'm going with the Eagles. But uh, it's up in the air at this point for me. Find out on Friday. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it's a coin flip right now. It's difficult to, um, <laughs> you know, not knowing the compositions of the teams, you know, I thought Dallas had fixed that offense after that Washington game, but 
you know, the same inefficiencies showed up against Arizona, losing Gallup. Obviously, that's a huge loss right there. You know, if Mike McCarthy was smart, and, and that's a big qualifier, but, you know, if Mike McCarthy was going to do the right thing, at least get that offense on track for the first half and have them clicking on all cylinders since they're going to be playing next week in the playoffs. So I think, you know, if he does that, Dallas should be able to win pretty handily. Um, and I've got them taking it over Philadelphia 24 to 17. The Battle of Ohio Part 2. The Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Cleveland to take on the Browns. And the Bengals are going to be playing this game without Trey Hendrickson, who tested positive for COVID. Without Trey Hopkins, their setter, who tested positive for COVID. Without Von Bell, tested positive for COVID. And Joe Burrow himself said he will not play because he wants to rest for the playoffs. I do not blame him. The Bengals pretty much don't have anything else to play for at this point because they uh, have already won the AFC North. They punched their ticket into the playoffs and uh, them getting the one or two seed is the longest of long shots. Bengals are smart to rest their players and the Browns, they'll be starting Case Keenum. They're going to want to end the season on a high note. And since the Bengals are resting their players and the Browns probably aren't resting theirs, I'm going to go with the Browns. Yeah, I mean, again, one of these games where so difficult to pick here at the end of the season. Um, ugly game. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I'll pick the Cincinnati backups there. That's a happy team right now. I'll pick the happier team over the frustrated team. So I'll give it Cincinnati 20, Cleveland 16. The Packers with the number one seed in the NFC wrapped up, traveled to Detroit to take on the Lions. And believe it or not, Matt LaFleur wants the starters to play as much as possible. I do not like that decision. Do you? Uh, yeah, I don't really have a problem with it, David. When you know that you've got that bye, you pretty much, uh, you know, you know you've got that bye week coming. Your players are already rested a week. Resting them two weeks, ooh, you know, I never like that. Um, you know, you got to keep them sharp. The players are gonna play. I don't have a problem with them at least playing the first half of the game. Put the starters out there. I've got no problem with Green Bay doing that. Uh, yeah, if uh, they like uh, just say Aaron Rodgers uh, and offense, uh, you start the game. But if you like score like 14 to 21 points in the first quarter, then you can rest. Uh, exactly. I wouldn't mind that at all. Uh, that has to be what Matt LaFleur is thinking. But uh, that said, uh, I think the Packers uh, do uh, play their starters and put up some points quickly. And given the fact that Tim Boyle is going to be starting for the Lions, I don't think the Lions are going to be able to completely catch up. It's going to be a close final score at the end, but I think the Packers play their starters for either the first quarter or the first half makes the difference in a uh, 21 to 16 game. Yeah. I mean, I've got it pretty close to that. I've got the Packers running out early. You know, I, I could see them putting up 27 points in the first half, resting the starters and then uh, Detroit making a furious comeback against the backups and falling just short uh, 27 to 20. The Chicago Bears in what is likely the final game of the Matt Nagy era, traveling to Minnesota to take on the Vikings in what is very likely to be the final game of the Mike Zimmer era. As has been reported, both Matt Nagy and Mike Zimmer are expected to be fired at the end of Sunday. And uh, Justin Fields will be returning for the Bears and Kirk Cousins will be returning for the Vikings. 
I'm going to go with the kid. I'm going to go with Justin Fields of the Bears because the Bears, uh, they are a team that's very excited about their future. They're giddy. And uh, the Vikings uh, are finishing another middle-of-the-road year and about to say farewell to head coach with changes coming. I'm going to pick the happier team in this case. I like the Bears. Yeah, I, I just worry, you know, the players get out there and say, wait a minute, you know, we, we could win a game and, and, they're, and they're not going to fire Nagy? Is, is seven wins going to do it? Wait, hold on, guys. Hold up here. This winning streak's got to end for us. We can't risk leaving him here. So um, healthy Kirk Cousins, I, I've got to go with Minnesota in this case. Um, but definitely a close game. I can definitely see the Bears take it. Certainly, I'm going to be rooting for Justin Fields. Uh, without a doubt, but I've got the final Minnesota 22, Chicago 19. The Washington football team traveling to East Rutherford to take on that dumpster fire New York Giants team and their whining head coach Joe Judge, who just likes to put the football on fourth and short in no man's land still, and you want to keep him another year? Give me a break. Uh, yes, it's been a relatively disappointing season in Washington, but they're nowhere near the dumpster fire those Giants are. Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm are as pathetic an offense as you can build around. Uh, if you thought the offense was bad with Daniel Jones and Jason Garrett, it's even worse now. In fact, a million times worse with uh, Jake Fromm and Mike Glennon playing quarterback. Washington wins. Yeah, I think um, the Glennon-Fromm era here has certainly at least made people think, well, maybe Daniel Jones wasn't all that bad after all. Holy cow. Uh, yeah, this is an ugly situation for the Giants. I don't think they have a chance. And, you know, we talked about four wins and you're up four losses to close the season on a hot streak. You know, a bad, bad performance here. Six losses in a row. Uh, seven out of eight to close the season might just have them reconsidering things uh, in New York. So I'm thinking Washington, this could be a real stinker for the giants. Why don't I give it to Washington who I might want to add their name is going to be finally introduced in less than a month. Yes, and if sir. it's anything other than the hogs, I'm going to be so upset. Come on. I've been calling them the hogs since 1982 officially name them that anything else is going to be a disappointment, but they're not going to be disappointed on Sunday, Washington 35 giants zero. The Indianapolis Colts. It's very simple for them on winning their end and they get to play the worst team in the NFL, the Jacksonville <laughs> Jaguars on Sunday uh, a lot of people are saying, yeah, the Jaguars, uh, maybe if they upset the Colts, it's going to create uh, chaos. It's going to make for a fun. So they, nope, sorry, not going to happen. Not a chance, Colts. Yeah, I mean, they, they played the Colts pretty tough earlier in the year, but the things have gone downhill in a hurry in Jacksonville. I tried to think of, you know, is there a possible scenario where Jacksonville could win? And I said, well, you know, Maybe if Carson Wentz threw six interceptions, but <laughs> I think he'd be out after two or three at that point. So uh, they wouldn't let him throw the ball again in the game. So uh, one way or another, it's going to be the Colts. I've got the Colts in a blowout, 30 to 11. The Steelers in what is likely to be Ben Roethlisberger's final NFL game 
traveling to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Both of these teams are likely to be at the outside looking in at the end of the day. They still have a sliver of hope, but they need a miracle of Jacksonville that we both agree they are not going to get. But nonetheless, both these teams are going to be playing for a lot of pride. This is a great rivalry, but it doesn't look like Lamar Jackson's going to be playing again. And TJ Watt, defensive player of the year, going up against that uh, decimated Ravens offensive line. He's going to be terrorizing Snoop Huntley all game long. It's going to be close. It's going to be low scoring. But uh, uh, I trust that Steelers defense against that Ravens offensive line. That makes the difference in a close, low scoring game. I like the Steelers 13 to 10. Yeah, I like the Steelers as well. Um, I, I, I think for Big Ben going out with a win against Baltimore, it's just going to have to, it's just going to feel wonderful for him. Um, you know, the storied rivalry between those two franchises during his career has just been fantastic. Um, yeah. I mean, for me watching this game is going to be about, you know, TJ Watt, can he get up to 25 sacks for the season against that Baltimore offensive line? Because he's probably got a chance at this point. So I think the Steelers should take it pretty easily. Uh, I've got the final 23 to 17. The Tennessee Titans, all they got to do is beat the Houston Texans and they get the number one seed in the AFC in a first round bye. But they lost to the Texans earlier this season. Granted, I don't think Mike Vrabel, my 2021 coach of the year, is going to let it happen again. The Texans might keep it close through most of the game, but I think the Titans still pull away at the end. Titans 23, Texans 13. Yeah, I mean, you know, divisional games, something strange can happen. It already did. I don't think they're going to turn the ball over five times again against the Texans. Um, they're focused. They're uh, looking into the playoffs right now, locking up that number one seed. Uh, mentally tough is what comes to mind for the Titans. And this is one of those games where they'll be mentally tough, grind through it, and pull away for the win at the end. Uh, I've got it. 30 to 16 Titans over the Texans in a game with incredible playoff implications. The new Orleans saints traveling to Atlanta to take on the Falcons at the saints win and the 49ers lose to the Rams, the saints. Yes. The new Orleans saints are in. It just speaks volumes about how great a coach Sean Payton is, but they got to do it against the Falcons team. This can be playing for with a lot of pride. Dare I say Matt Ryan, Cordero Patterson, AJ Terrell, Grady Jarrett, the Falcons won the first meeting, and when these teams play, it's usually very close and entertaining. But that said, I don't think Sean Payton lets his team drop two to the Falcons in one year. I just don't. I think Sean Payton and the Saints find a way to gut it out with their defense, getting a lot of pressure on Matt Ryan with Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport, David Onyemata, that underrated defensive front four. They're going to have a field day against a Falcons offensive line that still needs a lot of work. I like the Saints. You know, the Saints should win this game, David. But, you know, with the Falcons, I think I finally figured them out the other week. You know, they win a game, they lose a game. They win a game, they lose a game. So what did they do last week? They lost to Buffalo. <laughs> They're due for a win. And that's just the way this season's going for Atlanta. I don't know how they'll do it. Arthur Smith will pull some magic out. Atlanta 27, New Orleans 24. The New York Jets traveling to Buffalo to take on the Bills. The Jets taking the Bucks down to the wire and losing in heartbreaking fashion. 
Uh, it shows just how much they've improved this year under Robert Sala, but also they have a long way to go as well. They're going to be playing for pride, but the Bills have everything on the line. The Bills are not going to let a division title slip through their fingers against the Jets, for crying out loud. The Jets might keep it close for about maybe a half, but I think the Bills, like they did last week, they pull away in the second half. Um, I like the Bills. Yeah, I mean, I... I... I think for the the Jets, this was one of those games where they left it all out there and, um, you know, they left it all out there. That was their last gasp of this season. I don't think they're going to be able to replicate their performance last week against uh, Tampa Bay here in Buffalo. Uh, Bills, everything to play for, like you said, uh, strong, disciplined team. I see them blowing through the Jets, not even being close. Buffalo 40, Jets 6. The 49ers are winning their in, but they have to do it on the road at SoFi Stadium against the Rams. And granted, they've had the Rams number in recent history. Like, I think they've won uh, five straight against the Rams. Yet, the... 49ers, are they going to be playing a banged-up Jimmy Garoppolo or an inexperienced Trey Lance going against that Rams defense? Uh, That is the only reason why I'm going to go with the Rams. It's going to be a close game. Matthew Stafford still might make a couple mistakes, but I have a hard time seeing a banged-up Jimmy Garoppolo or an inexperienced Trey Lance pulling out a victory for the 49ers. I just have a hard time. I think the Rams win, and with the Saints winning, they knock the Saints into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, should be a Rams win here, I think. Um, you, you know, it's going to come down to, you know, that um, the Rams run defense, I think. San Francisco's going to load up uh, everything they can in that uh, Shanahan uh, running game that's carried them these last few years and make one more go of it. And can they do enough? Yeah, why not? I'm going to say San Francisco 27, Rams 24. Your New England Patriots traveling to Miami to take on the Dolphins. They bet in week one, and the Dolphins uh, won a game they easily should not have won. And uh, yes, the Patriots, uh, the odds are against them winning the AFC East because the Bills are playing the Jets. But Belichick's going to want his guys sharp and ready for the playoffs, and he's not going to let it happen again. I like the Patriots. Yeah, I like the Patriots too. Uh, you know, always a tough matchup against Miami. No doubt about that. Um, it, it's going to be a tough game this week for the Patriots as well. Brian Flores, uh, you know, knows that defense, knows that uh, offense inside out. You know, so many former Patriots on that coaching staff for Miami. So you know it's going to be a grind. Um, I'll keep it as a lower scoring game as well, but New England pulling it out 17 to 15 over the Dolphins. The Arizona Cardinals, they still have an excellent shot at the NFC West crown. As we said earlier in the broadcast, host the Seahawks at home. Could it be the final game of the Russell Wilson era, the Pete Carroll era, or both for the Seahawks? It might very well could. And uh, the Cardinals, we wrote them off last week. And uh, the Seahawks with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll maybe play their last game. They're going to be played with a lot of pride. That said, I still think the Cardinals are the far more talented team and they have so much more to play for and so much more to potentially gain, uh, including a a home game uh, in the playoffs and an NFC West crown. I am going with the Cardinals 24, Seahawks 20. I wrote off the Cardinals 
they're staying written off. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not backtracking yet. Nope, I'm going to keep them written off one more week here. Cardinals blow it again. The Seahawks take the game 38 to 34. How? Well, that's going to be in my bold prediction. And last but not least, the Carolina Panthers traveling to Tampa to take on the Bucks. And uh, yes, uh, it's the level of difficulty against those defenses of the playoffs is going to be far, far, far higher than it will be this Sunday for Brady at that decimated Bucks wide receiving court against the Panthers. Nonetheless, I think Brady and the Bucks absolutely roll over the dumpster fire Carolina Panthers. Bucks 34, Panthers 10. Yeah, it's hard to believe Carolina was 3-0 and at one point this season and, and looked like a legitimate playoff team, but I've got Brady and the boys, uh, you know, working out some kinks on that offense, getting ready for the playoffs and see what they can figure out. Tampa Bay 30, Carolina 16. And now we go to our week 18 bold predictions. You go first here, Hal. All right. So Russell Wilson's final game in Seattle, um, you know, trying to go knock off Arizona here, give the Rams the first place. I say it's not Russell Wilson. It's Rashad Penny, who is the star of the game. Give him uh, 175 yards rushing as he makes his way into free agency uh, after well, you know, he had 170 last week. Let's let's make it more than that. Let's go 200 yards rushing. What do you have? Two touchdowns last week. Let's make it four touchdowns. Rashad Penny putting the tape on before free agency and breaks the hearts of in Arizona, leading Seattle to that win. My bold prediction earlier in the year, I said the Cowboys would lay a 60 burger on the Broncos. Now that Patrick Sertan, at least he shouldn't play this game, in my opinion, because he has a calf injury. You don't want to risk injury to a future franchise cornerstone at all. Keep him out, Broncos. And Kareem Jackson's not going to play in this game. I have a feeling the Chiefs going against the Broncos, who might not have neither a kicker nor a putter in this game, <laughs> score a 70 burger oh, against the Broncos. So Kansas City Chiefs score 70 points against the Denver Broncos. That is my bold prediction for week 18. And now on to our challenge flags for week 18. I'll go first year. Green Bay Packers. I know you don't want to disrupt your rhythm headed into the playoffs and the first round by. But if the game flow warrants it, like I said, if you score like 14 to 21 points in either the first quarter or the first half, pull your starters immediately. Yes, you got to play your starters for a certain time, but don't do it the entire game. Just know when to pull them at the right time. So Packers, I'm okay with you playing your starters, but don't play them the whole game. That is my challenge flag for week 18. Hell, you're next. All right, so week 18, I'm going to look at these teams. You're out of the playoffs. You're in last place. The Jets, the Browns, the Jags, the Broncos, Seahawks, Panthers, Lions, Giants. Don't give up hope. Just look at Cincinnati and that worst to first performance here this year. Um, have hope. Three straight years in the cellar. And all of a sudden, division champions this year, don't give up hope. You can do it. It could happen. 
it happened this year. It can happen again. Make the right choices this offseason. Use the Broncos as your guiding star. Oh, you mean the Bengals? As oh, sorry, star. the Bengals. I'm, I'm thinking the Broncos. <laughs> uh, yep, yeah, you you got to have a quarterback, though, a top 10 quarterback, and that's exactly what the Bengals had in order to go from worst to first. You got to get that quarterback position right, and that is all there is to it. And he is Hal Beth, ladies and gentlemen, bostonsportpage.com and full press coverage. Hal, thank you so much once again, and that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back same time next week to preview wildcard playoff weekend analyze the coaching carousel and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the national football league. So stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to follow Hal on Twitter at HalBent01. You can also follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram at sports crunch with dcrom. And remember that's crunch with a K also be sure to check out the new and improved SportsCrunch.com. for Hal bent. This is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome and enjoy another fun weekend of football cats and kittens. Stay cool.